0: Yay, I think it actually worked today, thankfully. Good morning, everybody. This is Janet from Living Astrology. It's time to grab your cup of coffee or your tea, sit back, and let's chat about what is happening up in the stars above. I apologize sincerely for Wednesday. I had every intention of coming online, but apparently Zoom had other ideas. There was some glitch in their system. And unfortunately, it was not just me, it was others as well, luckily, because Zoom has zero, zero support for people who are the little guys like me, right? Even though I've been with them probably since near the beginning of time that they started their their program, uh, I rate zero. So I waited for 10 minutes in a phone queue, only to find out that we're sorry, your account doesn't have phone support. What? Ended up talking to somebody via chat only to discover there was an issue in their system. So there was nothing I could do about that. I did come on briefly on Facebook uh, because I could do that but not through Zoom. So that was an interesting experience as well. So technology, right? Always changing, always morphing, always has issues, it seems like. So hopefully you are all doing well. Uh, I think the main thing that I wanted to get through to everybody on Wednesday was about the move of Saturn into gate 13 in your human design, the gate of narrative or the gate of the listener, depending on whether you're looking at quantum human design or traditional human design in either way. I think today we'll talk about that. And the moon this morning has moved into the sign of Aries. Can you feel the energy just crackling through the system? For those of you who are Libras, you're probably picking up some frustration, some anger, some upset. And for those of you who are Aries, you're probably raring to go and excited that the moon is in alignment with the sun in your chart today. For the rest of us, we will just have to see how that's going to affect us. There's really only one transit that the moon makes today, or one aspect, I should say, And that is with Mars, the ruler of the sign. And it's not a good one, it's a square. Well, I don't wanna say it's not good because squares can be really good good for getting things done, good for causing us to have the endurance or to persevere or to go after something, to stay the course with something. So we we want to have squares. Without them, we would just never really have the impetus to move forward or to go faster or to do more than what we've already done. So the square to Mars happens later before Venus, I mean, before, before the moon, moved into Aries this morning, it made a sextile to both Venus and Mercury. So that aspect has already happened. Again, those those two aspects would have maybe been creative, but that happened my time, 4.58 this morning. For those of you on the west or east coast, that would have been around 7.58. And then the moon immediately moved into the sign of Aries, setting up for the square to Mars, but that hasn't quite happened yet. So it may be later in the day, maybe you'll feel an injection of energy. Maybe you'll feel an injection of uh, motivation even to get up and get busy and get doing. And when we're talking about the moon in Aries, we're talking about um, a moon that is emotional and feminine in a sign that is more assertive and masculine. So we can sometimes have some frustration and angry uh, uh, eruptions during the moon's transit of Aries. But again, it can also be the uh, energy, the, uh, the fire under the pot that gets us moving, gets that water boiling, gets us moving or initiating. This is a moon sign that is an initiating or new beginnings kind of sign. It starts the ball rolling. It is the match that uh, lights the catalyst that moves us. So we have the potential for the next couple of days through the weekend to have um, something that we want to get started or something that we want to get finished, even having the motivation, the energy, and the physicality to be able to do that. Aries is also a sign of a lot of self-focus. I usually tell people who are Aries, if you can put the word self in front of it, it works. Self-acceptance, right? Self, um, self-love, self self-awareness, you keep naming it. Your, your physical body is ruled by the sign of Aries and it has everything to do with who I am. It is the house that says I am, right? It is the sign that says I am. By the way, when I said house, I meant Aries ruling the first house in an astrology chart, the natural astrology chart. So what you all need to do is look to where Aries is in your natal chart, and that's gonna give you the house placement of where this energy is working for you. This is also a sign that in its purest form leads us into innocence and authenticity. It is the pure expression of the I am uncluttered by conditioning and uncluttered by what other people's expectations are. But often we lose that innocence and that authenticity through conditioning on the planet as we grow up. But when you go back to our youngsterhood, You know, when you watch your grandchildren or your children, and they are playing or they're being just innocent and loving and generous and kind, or even if they're being little brats and and anxious and running around the house, there's a certain amount of innocence in that, that we can relate to with the moon moving through the sign of Aries. And it is a sign of another self, self self-discovery. Self exploration, right? Anything to do with the self, who you are, and who do you want to be. It is a sign that we think of for independence. In fact, Aries, as the first sign, is extraordinarily independent. But like all energies in the zodiac, they have that spectrum through which they can express, right? So, independence for Aries is probably a little bit more toward the more aggressive or assertive end. And codependence is more at the other end, the, um, the 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 lower frequency energy. And one of the lessons that we're learning right now through Chiron's placement in Aries is about interdependence, about how no woman is an island, right? That there isn't any way that we can just be out there on our own. It takes a village, so so to speak, or it takes a family that we need support and that we're never alone in our uh, trying to move forward or to do something or to become something, that we have people that we need around us to help us in that journey and Aries is a journey that's very independent and often turns a blind eye to the help that's right in front of them because they want to be able to do it themselves so be careful of that whatever house Aries is in is where you likely have that that either codependent or independent stance and you need to learn to become interdependent with the people around you. And that's sort of like becoming a good delegator at the opposite end of Aries is Libra, the consummate delegator, right? The tactful diplomatic uh, sign, and that can feed into Aries energy when Aries is feeling too independent or too isolated or too alone, they need to come in, bring other people in that can help them get perspective about what they're doing or who they are or who they want to be. This is a sign that is fire. It's the fire element sign. And with fire, we have passion. With fire, we have courage. And boldness is sort of the signature, if you will, for Aries energy. So being bold, being able to step out of the comfort zone and to do something different. You know, right now we've had quite a bit of energy packed up in um, Taurus, a fixed sign. And so this is now starting to break up. Mercury this week already moved into Gemini out of Taurus. And today, tomorrow, excuse me, Venus moves out of Taurus and into Gemini. So we're breaking up the Taurus stellium. And what we're beginning to see is some more um, movability, some more of the sharing of ideas and so forth. But with the moon and Aries, those ideas find their feet and they have to have you, we have to have the courage to step outside of our comfort zones, to do something new, something revolutionary, something different, Um, something that gets us outside of the norm so that we can boldly go, right? Boldly going. In the more lower aspect of the sign, besides being codependent, there is often the disengaging from uh, the, the people around them and instead becoming more isolated or becoming more insulated from others. There is the tendency to sometimes selfishness or vanity, um, anger and impatience uh, errors in the negative because of Mars's placement there. It can sometimes be impetuous and can just, you know, fly off the handle and jump uh, the gun acting first, thinking later, we've got a lot of different words and phrases to describe that Aries sort of behavior when it's in its negative. And that impulsivity, that impatience, that anger can isolate them from others, um, or alienate other people, taking the very people who would be their support system, um, and moving them into the more uh, distant phase, right, they want to get away from you, because you're becoming too angry or impatient. So, watch that for the next couple of days. In matters restoring health or in the body, um, Aries rules the head. So the face as well. So acne or any conditions of the face, the ears are also a part of this as far as the outer ears. Um, The eyes are also Aries. Uh, The head, face, scalp, and brain are also Aries and dizziness and headaches can be a part of Aries energy as well. So if you're someone that's prone to migraines or someone who's prone to headaches, look to where Aries is in your chart because there's a correlation there. It's not the cause of the headache, but there's a correlation to maybe pressures or upset or anger or frustration simmering beneath the surface that is creating the physical reaction in the body around headaches, dizziness, et cetera. All right, I'm gonna go say good morning to everybody. And I see you're all out there. Yay, it's great to see everybody. Kathleen, Tom, good morning. Debbie Tibbetts-Tumio, good morning. J-Lo, good to see you. Asa, good morning. Christine Buckingham, good morning. Pauline, hello. So glad YouTube's working today. Yeah, I think, you know, I don't know. that. That was just very frustrating. I don't know what else I can say about it. Uh, JLo says oddly, I just feel cold on my knees. Knees would be Saturn, so cold on your knees. Didn't you have something with Saturn going on too, JLo? Mimi, good morning to you. Christine says Black Moon Lilith in Aries, twelfth house natal. So the Black Moon, we 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 do talk about her periodically, and she's an important part of all of this because her. Her purpose is to shine a light, if you will, into the dark shadows of our psyches, personally, as well as collectively. And right now, collective, she is transiting through the sign of Taurus. So there are prosperity issues. There are abundance issues. There is an issue around enoughness, right? Do we have enough Are we enough? Is there enough to share? And that's the shadow that we're all kind of grappling with right now. In terms of the collective, we see, you know, the economic impact of COVID virus. We see the, we are coming soon, I'm sure, face to face with the impact of stimulus money having been given to the the people of different nations. In this nation, we call it the stimulus package. I'm not sure what other nations are calling it. But where did that money come from and how do we pay it back and are we having to pay it back or what's the impact on the economy? And these things are the shadows that are lying just beneath the surface that we have to deal with. So for you, who was that? Christine, the black moon for you is in Aries. So the shadow is around being independent or being codependent or being dependent. So for you, the whole fear is around being either alone or maybe it's about being with other people. And in the 12th house, there's likely a subconscious pattern that has been determining that in your life for your entire life. There's a subconscious mind is, is ruled by the 12th house or is a part of the 12th house experience. And usually it's fear. There's some kind of fear that uh, can you know you'll have to look at that in your own life and see how that's been playing out but likely it's either kept you dependent or in a codependent situation or has caused you to be so independent that you turn your back on either people or aid from other people that could help move you forward. And if you trace that down, it's likely due to something either from a past life or from a subconscious pattern. And the limitation and even self-sabotage that's there is about the subconscious protecting you. Um, So to access the subconscious, you're going to have to go in and ask the question, what am I afraid of? What is good? What's the worst that can happen if I step out of this codependent relationship? What is the worst that will happen if I choose to be independent? What is the worst that could happen if I choose to ask for help? So depending on the situation in your own life, that's probably what the Black Moon Lilith is bringing up. And remember, everybody, that Chiron is running through Aries right now. So there's, you know, some overlap here for you, um, uh, Christine, in terms of Chiron and Aries in your 12th, likely, and the black moon Lilith in your natal chart in um, Aries, and maybe Chiron is actually sitting on top of your black moon, causing this to come up to the surface right now. But it's never, this isn't about punishment. I know the uh, general uh, wording of the 12th house from astrology is that it's the house of suffering and uh, that there's this idea of serve or suffer. And while I agree that the energies in that house can create sabotage, can create blocks or can in some way hinder our full expression of who we are. Uh, I don't think of it as much to do with suffering that, you know, like a karmic suffering. It's more like things that you've covered over yourself in a protective sort of way. And you also hold the key to being able to unlock that those fears and um, release yourself from those fears. And um, that's the path right now for you, uh, Christine, it would seem like. Amy D, Jupiter and sun in my natal in fourth house, never sure what to pay attention to. Yeah, so whenever there's a planet in your natal chart that's conjunct the sun, um, there's a term we use, is it under the eaves of the sun, under the something of the sun? And um, it's hard to express one or the other. So Sun and Jupiter coming together are very, very powerful. Uh, They're powerful for growth and for expansion, for um, having a healthy ego, uh, for living from your truth, depending, and you said, I think in the fourth house, so uh, having family as a dynamic in your life or traditions. But there's still the potential for one or the other of them not to get fully expressed, likely Jupiter, because the sun being the more powerful piece here, the more powerful player. And uh, Jupiter in the fourth house would also want to establish a powerful foundation so that it can go out into the world exploring and uh, growing and evolving. So there may be issues sometimes between keeping a foundation that's solid, but also giving into the need for adventure and experience out there in the world Pauline Solia 555 day on Wednesday was much difficult to as uh, expect the unexpected um I don't know what you mean by a 555 day May 5th 2021 maybe that's what you're thinking yeah 555 I gotcha So, um, then Christine Buckingham says caretaking codependency and not asking for help. There you have it lessons over many lifetimes. And that's the thing with the 12th house too. There does seem to be past life issues that come up with that. And, um, those sometimes are hard to see. (laughs) I was having a conversation with someone the other day and I was telling her that, um, likely some of the things she's experiencing in this lifetime were due to past life issues, but you can never quantify that. I mean, in an, in an astrology chart, when I see where the south node is, when it's near big planets or any planets for that matter, there's obviously some kind of karmic connection here. And I think that often ties back to Past lives, but because I'm not actually putting you under hypnosis and exploring that or going through to the Akashic records and exploring that, I can't prove that one way or another. But your astrology will often show you those past life relationships um, through the placement of the south node, the placement in the eighth house, the fourth house, and the twelfth house. They are sometimes related karmically. The fourth house, because I know you're going to ask me about that. Uh, I forgot who had the fourth house. Was that? christine no it wasn't christine it was amy d the fourth house and as far as past lives relates to our family of origin so your ancestral lineage right that goes back way back into time and that when that house is um populated by planets it's often a connection the people in your family in this lifetime are you're playing out karmic roles with them that go way back you know generations in time so it doesn't mean that if you don't have a lot going on in the fourth house that you don't have that ancestral lineage but planets in the fourth house tend to show up uh, in that way telling us that you know we're working out some issues that have to do with ancestry or with genetics um, or with that that lineage that ancestral lineage Uh, i once did a series of readings with a family who uh, they were all um very much Wiccan and practice that the nature religion of Wicca and every one of them had Pluto, just about every one of them, even the, the only male in the whole family that was also a practicing Wiccan um, had Pluto in their fourth house, such a powerful connection for all of them to have, even though they ran the gamut of ages and uh, you know weren't all like born on the same time that Pluto was in the same sign. Uh, So it was an interesting read to see their charts that way. Oh, let's see, J-Lo, my Aries is the 11th house. Uh, I have Chiron 24 degrees. He has become a friend uh, there and Jupiter at eight degrees. So you have a lot of Aries energy for you to work through. The moon in Aries likely going to trigger some of those things in those planets as it passes by. And Jupiter has a four degree orb only square to my Saturn sheesh and I can feel it um Jupiter and Saturn together like that you know that means four degree orb but I can't tell what a square okay so can't tell if that's an opening square between them like just after they had a conjunction uh or is it a closing square. Either way, the crisis is either of action or of consciousness. So there you have that from a birth standpoint, right? So working out those kinds of issues in this lifetime. Jennifer Peachy, good morning to you. It's good to see you out there. And Kathleen Mallory is natal moon in Aries, fifth house with Ares and Pallas. So you've got the goddesses all together. Uh, In the fifth house of fun and play, creativity, joy, children, um, or at least relating to the world with that childlike enthusiasm. Hello, Coach Michael. It's good to see you. Great to have you with us. Uh, Tom Wright, what degrees for Aries? Early degrees, seventh house, later degrees, eighth house. Well, the way I would look at it, Tom, is I use the whole sign sign Um, system and so Aries would all fall in the seventh house it would sound like to you for me to tell you the seventh house so relationship marriage partnerships open enemies that type of situation for you And right now we're in the early degrees because the moon just moved into Aries. So it won't be probably until tomorrow if you're using the Placidus system to um, have the moon in your eighth house. And then you may be dealing with transformational energy, death and birth and and regeneration, that kind of thing. Um, Amy D, OMG, y'all are going to crack up. Got my Roman numerals mixed up. It was my ninth house. (laughs) So the ninth house, not the fourth house, right? Is that what you're saying, Amy? Let's see, Amy was, yeah, she was the Jupiter sun in her fourth house. Nope, it's in your ninth house. So yours is a pathway of growth and expansion, exploring the horizons, uh, pushing the envelope to so to speak to uh, evolve. And that's that's a really good placement for Jupiter. It's a good placement for the sun as well, uh, as its focus is on Um, higher consciousness and having a philosophy of growth and, you know, moving ahead in the lifetime. Pauline uh, Aries, ninth house. Yes, ninth house, same thing. The focus for you is being bold in stepping out of old belief patterns and growing in this lifetime through releasing old beliefs and engaging new ones, new ones that have true meaning for you right? Not that are defined by others or by fear or by conditioning with institutions that you might have been exposed to in this lifetime. Grow, grow, grow. Both the the ninth house issues are always around growth and expansion. And often, um, seeing the bigger picture, right? Sometimes people with a ninth house get caught up in the details, depending on the sign there. With Aries there, Pauline, I would say, you do have a broader view, um, but you may be dependent on others to take that journey with you. And Aries in the ninth house would suggest it's a solitary journey at first, engaging others as you go along, as they help you discover more and more about yourself personally. Okay, well, it was good to to chat with all of you here. If you guys have any questions, uh, I forgot whether Asa was out there. She's at her parents' house. There she is, Asa, good, good, good. So hopefully she's able to keep up with us all this morning and you're welcome uh, anybody to ask questions. uh, She'll get those to me. Okay, so now I wanna go back to what I wanted to talk about on Wednesday with all of you. And that is that there is a change in, um, the energy of Saturn in our lives. And I thought it was worth talking about because it's going to be here for a little bit of time uh, till I think June 10th. Let me get the graphic up so I make sure I'm hitting all the points that I wanted to hit. I don't know about you guys, but I'm feeling a little bit spacey today. There we go. Saturn at gate 13. Now, uh, the quantum human design language is narrative. And it speaks to the fact that this gate has a lot to do with the stories that we tell, that we tell ourselves, but that we also inject into the human story and share to our children, to our family, to our friends, to people in posterity. Now, the gate 13 is sitting on the identity center. So if you have your human design chart, get it out. Take a look at it and see what this area of your human design looks like. If you have an open gate 13, meaning it's white, then now you will have definition here. And for some of you, you might have the gate 33 hanging, meaning it was only going halfway. And now you'll have this entire channel defined. Some of you won't have some of you will have had uh, this energy already defined. Um, either the whole channel or just the gate 13. So this adds a little bit of focus this time of uh, the season for you. And then if you are someone who had uh, nothing here, now it is suddenly defined. So this is gonna be this way from May 5th, which was just a couple of days ago through June 10th. And this is called the Identity Center. Sometimes you'll hear me call it the G Center. And the Identity Center, is the center for love and direction and it is where we sometimes say the seat of the soul is so it is at once a very uh, important center and it is also one that can sometimes trigger our vulnerabilities right because we're we're really identified with who we are in that center and some someone's criticism or someone uh, even just circumstances that come up can undermine our feelings of lovability or being uh, loving, being loved or our self-worth. Now this particular gate is also one that is related to listening and hearing. In uh, traditional human design, it is called the gate of the listener. In quantum human design, it is called narrative. So here, this kind of matches this energy that's building up in Gemini. Uh, with Mercury having moved into Gemini, Venus moving into Gemini tomorrow, and then the sun later this month moving into Gemini. And Gemini is a, a sign that is known for communication, right? For talking. The problem is when you have a lot going on in Gemini is we get so busy talking and chattering that we forget to listen. So Saturn here reminding us that it's important to listen, not just to hear right not to just hear words that people are saying and you know do the aha 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 yeah 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 but to really listen what are they telling you what are they saying to you and the connection the outlet for the gate 13 is moving up toward the throat center so we also have a delicate situation here for someone who has an open throat for example of wanting to blurt out the stories who wants to talk and talks over people so we're Having to listen, we're learning to listen with love as love is the main energy in this particular center. And because the 13 is also one of the gates in human design that relates us to the past, that we're also having to listen to the voice of the past, but not get caught in the past. So there's a difference between learning from the past and getting stuck in the past, right? Can you guys feel that difference? Learning from the past means that we bring our wisdom forward. And in the retelling of a story or the narrative of our lives, we change the telling from the victim stance, right? Where there's a potential for the victim story to keep being perpetuated here, we bring the wisdom from the past forward, and we say, "Yeah, I experienced that, and it was hell. But this is how I overcame that. I rose to the challenge, and I moved forward, and I learned so much from that experience." Rather than the victim story, which is the other way around, it's uh, this happened to me in the past; it ruined my life, and I still have to deal with the uh, effects of having, you know, lost my parents or been abandoned or any of the things that we can come up with our core issues guilt and shame and and abund, uh, abandonment, etc. Um, so here we're going to have to be very aware of what it is that we're telling as a story. The mastery in this that Saturn remembers the great teacher and he's leading us to mastery, right? He's like the teacher that's standing there with the A or the F, right? The ABC grades, right? He in mastery is uh, helping us rewrite and retell the stories in an empowering way, and then holding space for others to retell their story, literally inviting them to retell that story right we can we have a story that we're telling right now about covid about 2020 about the elections and at least in this country we have stories right you can call them conspiracy theories you could call them i just call them stories we have stories and it's not about whether the story is real or not real it's about perpetuating the story and is it a story that's of an empowerment or is it one of disempowerment? So we get to choose whether we want to to write or retell an empowerment story. In the shadow, here's getting stuck in the old stories, right, getting stuck in the pain, in the suffering and in the struggle, and living out of the victim mentality rather than living out from an empowering place, so Saturn here may be digging in, um, <laughs> digging into your your soft spots, right, your vulnerabilities, and asking you to retell that story. And uh, as of June 10th, then he'll move into a different gate. He's now retrograde, so will likely be moving backwards to the gate 19, uh, the gate of sensitivity, where we were already kind of picking up what some of the next steps might be in our own evolution. So that's pretty much what I wanted to tell everybody. Um, Any questions about that, let me know. Um, Stop sharing. There we go. Uh, Okay, back to... Here, here we go. Mimi, I have gate 13 in both design and personality. Guides often remind me about listening more than speaking. Gate 33 is open, so it can be challenging to complete the listening process. Yes, indeed. The gate 13 is tricky that way, isn't it? You know, there's another interesting thing about 13, and that is that Saturn is at degree 13 of Aquarius. So I like that there's there's sort of this issue about 13, which is a sacred number, a number that takes us into ascension, right? In the Pleiadian earth calendar, it's the number of ascension. So what are we, what are we doing here is I think a part of our ascension, which would be uh, evolution of consciousness is about learning to listen. And then to make sure that when we speak, when we are telling the story of our soul, And we're telling the story of our life purpose, that it's not coming from the victim standpoint, right? That it's coming from the empowerment standpoint, because we all have victim stories. We've all had, you know, crappy things that have happened to us in our lives. We've all had issues. And do you want to stay stuck in that issue and retell over and over that issue, either to yourself or out loud to others, or do you want to move through that and become empowered? And as far as the listening is concerned, it's about really listening to the inner you, right? To the inner you. What is it that is going on inside of you? But as well, listening to others as well. What are they telling you? And uh, Kathleen Mallory says partner has gate 33 defined. Uh, So he'll have the whole channel now to find the 1333. Now something interesting happens in the 1333 when they connect up. It's almost like secrets get revealed, because the the 33 tends to release the secret in the presence of the gate 13. So they're great secret keepers until they're not. So for him there may be some things he divulges, but it can also be secrets that he's been keeping from himself that come up during this period of time. Uh, just checking real quick to see if that was a message from, nope. Okay, so now let's see here. J-Lo says, I have three of my girls that have the full channel, interesting, and two have 13. Um, now, those of you who have 13 already d- defined, Take a look at what planet defines the 13, right? So the planet is applying some energy already to your life path or to your soul's path. And now with a transit of Saturn, there's this is a time for the lesson to be learned, right? So there may be some difficulty here during this period of time for people who already have energy at 13. It's like the issue's coming back up again. So it can be a, you know, a couple of months of difficulty uh, with Saturn sitting at 13 for all of us, but particularly if you already had planetary energy sitting there. Debbie Tibbetts to me will just want to wish all the mothers out there, whether a human mama or a fur mama, a very happy Mother's Day. Indeed, indeed. And thank you, Debbie, for the reminder. Hit that like button. If you're liking what you hear, please hit the, up, the thumbs up button. And if you are new here and you haven't been here before, please hit the subscribe And then you'll, uh, there's a little bell that you can click so that you get notified when I come on air. Uh, you guys want to hear something funny about, um, Wednesday. So when I first logged on, I didn't notice that it didn't connect. So I spent probably five minutes talking to all of you who weren't there, uh, about the energy of the day. And then all of a sudden I looked and I went, oh, I went over to, um, the live, right, it's like I do. So I go back to YouTube so I can talk to people and see what's going on in the chat. And there was no chat, there was nothing. And I went, oh my God, and across the screen, it says preparing to go live. <laughs> Oh gosh. I've been sitting here talking to myself for 5 minutes. Um anyway, Asa, my Saturn is at gate 13. That's correct. And that's because you are in process but not quite there of a Saturn return. So Saturn's already triggering. So you're I I would say this that at least from now until July or June 10th while Saturn is in that gate 13, you're going to get a good glimpse of what your Saturn return is all about, right? So um, it's in the earlier lines right now. So it's not going to be in the exact gate and line that it was in when you were born. But I think that comes for you next March. Uh, Maybe it's January, February, somewhere around there. But for the short term, those issues are already coming up. Right. So, you know, watch be I I would get a journal and I would journal your experiences, uh, Saturn like experiences for the next six or seven weeks, because that's going to give you some insight into uh, what's likely um, something that you need to work with in your Saturn return. It's almost like you're just getting that kind of glimpse in there. Uh, Tom gate 13 side is black 33 side is white. So. That would mean that your gate 13 is hanging and now there's, a so that means in your chart on the black column, some planet is sitting at gate 13. And then now you have Saturn by transit also sitting at gate 13, adding his brand of teaching karmic lessons, um, and, um, what goes around comes around kind of energy to that gate 13 in your chart. So take a look at what planet happens to be sitting there by birth. It's not just that it's defined, but what planet defines it. That's gonna give you some more information about that. Uh, Christine, I chatted in a few of those open windows, but didn't hear you. Yep, that's because it wasn't connected. Uh, Was that Wednesday's broadcast scrapped or posted elsewhere? Uh, It was, it didn't broadcast. But what I did do was went to the Living Astrology Facebook page and I broadcasted live to that page, but that was kind of a weird experience. I felt totally out of sync, Uh, but it is in the Living Astrology page. You probably have to look on the page for where the media tab is, and that's where that video would be. Uh, I did talk a bit about this information uh, while I was there, but I was so furious (laughs) my sister later texted me and she goes, were you mad? (laughs) Could you tell? She's like, "Uh, yeah. And I went, oh gosh, I felt bad because, you know, I'm a person, I'm a human, and I still have all of those same frustrations and issues controlling anger if I get upset or frustrated. And boy, was I frustrated. I was really frustrated because of that situation. And I just, boiled over apparently and she saw it JLo, um my daughter has her conscious son in 33 6 and 13 3 and 13 1 neptune she said she has been seeing things that were not there well it's not that she's seeing things that are not there she's probably seeing through into other dimensions and that happens quite frequently with neptune at these uh, sort of personal gates um There's a tendency to see beyond, let's say that, or see through to a different uh, time to ghosts or things that, you know, generally we think of as not being there, Um, but it's their truth, right? So what I would encourage her to do is to, you know, ask questions of what am I seeing and what does this mean to me? And, um, you know, that way it's not so scary or feels like, you know, you're going crazy of some sort. Tom, on personality column, moon is in 13. So the moon is, um, in human design, is a little different than it is in astrology. It's what drives you. And the moon's driver at gate 13 is that you have to talk less, listen more, right? Because that's the gate of the listener. Uh, And I believe you have an open throat center. So it's already hard for you to be quiet, because the open throat wants to speak, it wants to express, and it has to wait for that invitation to do so. So the gate 13 is really teaching you in this case to be a good listener, and then to find people who would be good listeners who could model that back for you. Uh, Lo says, is that Neptune energy? Um, well, you said she has Neptune at gate 13. So that's where I got Neptune out of that. She's a 6'2", role model uh, role model hermit, emotional generator. Yes, I will tell her that. Yeah, so she's not going crazy. Definitely not going crazy. Uh, okay, so let's talk now about what is going on for the weekend. Uh, we talked a little bit about the fact Venus is going to be moving into Gemini and how that changes up the energy. And indeed, the uh, fact that Venus is moving out of Taurus, she moves into Gemini, but she's it's not that she's uncomfortable in Gemini. She really isn't. She just becomes more flirty, more conversational. She is in our relationships, meeting others at the mental level, right? The facts and figures, the sharing of information, the being mutually inspired by something, which are all mental connections, not necessarily heart connections. So our, our, um, our feelings In relationships might be different during this time period. I think she's here until June 2nd, uh, from May 8th to June 2nd. And uh, we may find that we are more interested in the conversation of the sharing of energy with one another. That's less than romantic, but What's seemingly more romantic is the sharing of thoughts and ideas and our meeting at the mental. Remember now words are gonna have impact because they're going straight into the heart. So watch what you say. Venus as a planet is kind of touchy-feely and Gemini as a sign is not, right? It's very um, informational. It's very logical and it's communicative. Venus herself is that romantic and touchy-feely. So you get bring them together and there can be some stumbling around um, either in trying to express romance or uh, loving thoughts. Um, uh, Maybe, you know, the Venus part wants more of the, the hugging and the affectionate, but the Gemini part is either uh, feeding you information or talking to you, listening to you, that kind of thing. So The golden rule applies during this period of time for sure, and that is if you can't say something nice, don't say it at all, right? Choose to keep your lip zipped if you have nothing nice to say. Uh, Relationships that start during this period of time are likely coming about because you met each other at the mental level. Uh, Maybe you were both at the same seminar or webinar or in a social group, uh, maybe a social media group you met. Uh, because you both had an interest in a same topic, that kind of thing. The emotional level might be lacking. And in fact, you know, social media is sort of that definition of that kind of lacking in the emotional or lacking in the connection. The connection is really very cerebral because it's just in the virtual world. Um, So there can be, you know, this opportunity to share like minds, but it may be more difficult to forge over to the, the uh, physical part of the relationship. And of course, Gemini is already known as a fickle sign, it's a very fast mental sign. It moves from you know, relationship to relationship at times. And so, not that they can't be in committed relationships. Obviously, I'm a Gemini, I'm in a 39 year marriage. I don't think fickle is one of those words that I would use for my relationships, but often there is that I'm looking for something and if I'm not feeling it, then I'm going to move on kind of thing that goes on. So here is a time then maybe to release yourself from trying to get, you know, connected and just meet each other where it's fun, where it's light, where it's playful where it's, you know, inspirational, but not necessarily asking for more from the relationship, at least not at this point in time. So not a bad connection, not a bad place for Venus to be. But now when you start to take in that, you know, the, that Mercury is also in, um, Gemini. And then Mercury will retrograde in Gemini. So spending a lot of time here in this mind-oriented sign that if if a relationship just now starts, it may take a little while for it to be able to move to that next level. In human design, uh, we are looking at Venus at the gate eight and the gate 8 is very early gemini and the gate 8 is called the gate of contribution in traditional human design in the quantum human design it is called the gate of fulfillment and what we see here is that the that you or i we want to have a vital connection to one another and to the we want to contribute to the relationship whether that is uh, with the current relationships we have or that of new relationships. And it can be very tricky because the gate eight sits on the throat center and the throat center reaching down to the identity center, right? So at the identity center, we have that vulnerability. And if gate eight feels like its contribution isn't being received in the right manner, or is being ignored, it can be a place of hurt. It can be a place of vulnerability. So because it sits on the throat center, timing is a big issue. So expressing your love or expressing your voice or your thoughts or what it is that you wanna contribute to the conversation should be met with that invitation to do so, particularly if you have an open throat center. So waiting for the right timing ensures that you're going to be recognized and heard and what you contribute to the conversation or to the group is going to have value. Not, we, not waiting means that you may not be seen as having contributed something valuable and that then t- causes us to pull away, right? To kind of come in away from uh, relationships and so forth. So. Waiting for the invitation to share what you know, what you love is a good way for you to feel like you have value. Also tomorrow, May 8th, Venus will come into a square with Jupiter. And when we have a square to Jupiter, remember the key wisdom for Jupiter and Venus together is not to overdo anything. So what we have on tap tomorrow is a day where we may over to speak, we may over imbibe, we may overeat, we may overdo, we may overspend. And it's a day where we have to do everything in moderation. It's going to be a good feely day, right? Optimism and happiness kind of there for us. All we have to do is reach out to it. We're more likely to be interested in Um, the things that are working in our lives and not so much about the problems, right? If we focus on the problems, then we may come into, um, we may come into that feeling of of frustration, especially with the moon and Aries tomorrow. Um, But we also uh, don't want to end up procrastinating on what needs to be done either, like getting things done so that you have more time for play. And Venus the squaring Jupiter can push us into that overindulgent phase, and then we, because um, it's real easy with Venus and Jupiter in a square to miss the cues that enough is enough, that uh, you know stop eating, stop drinking, stop doing um so we have to remember moderation that's going to be the key verb here moderate or is that a verb or noun moderation and proportion in everything that you do especially later today all of tomorrow and maybe even into sunday uh venus again still at the gate 8 and jupiter at the gate 30 jupiter at 30 may be the one that's really the troublemaker here as venus in 8 really like we said Uh, earlier, wants to make that contribution, wants to fulfill, to feel fulfilled and to help others feel fulfilled. Say that 10 times fast. Uh, But Jupiter at gate 30 is called the gate of desire. So you have the planet of magnifying and amplification and uh, making things bigger in a gate that also likes to go big, that has big dreams, that has big desires and can you know really take and put passion toward what it's doing and can, to miss the cue again, that enough is enough, right? So yeah, when Jupiter is at gate 30, we can get carried away with our desires. So it is more appropriate for us to be in moderation, again, expressing our passion to the world, but doing so with sort of a lightness, not strangleholding our desires, but holding them lightly so that we can leave some room for the divine to help us, move through uh the path to fulfillment right or to move uh that contribution into the world in the right way for us all right questions about that my phone did just buzz maybe there is a question question from tom read an article about saturn astrological point of view the year 2021 will be strongly influenced by saturn such a year such a year manifests a lot of chaos on the physical plane any thoughts Yes, I have thoughts. I have thoughts because, first of all, Saturn is in Aquarius. So Saturn is both in a sign that he rules or co-rules with the planet Uranus. So what we have is a tangle here between the physical expression of reality and Uranus's is more, uh, let's think outside of the box kind of energies. So we have a sort of struggle going on between the old traditions, the, the things that have always been and the way things have always been done, versus the new, the innovative, the high technology way that things could be. So we have to find that middle path, Tom, between the leaving the past behind or dumping on the past uh, and going t- solely into the future. So meaning we really have to find that middle road where we value the lessons of the past and we, we take the best of the past with us, but we aren't stuck in that past, right? We are not stuck there, that we're also moving forward. And there seems to be a lot of different issues coming up that way. Uh, expressed in our world and in, in, as duality, right? There's a lot of dual stuff, a lot of polarization still happening out there, but that polarization looks a little different now uh, because it's not so much the um, the it's not so much it's in our face. It's kind of gone underground a bit, but I can guarantee you, there's still this titanic struggle going on between the old traditional way, the old patriarchal way and the new way, what's more possibilities. um, There's still that, that you could just just take oil for example, right? And we know on the one hand, if we look down to the future that we have, we have to work with newer technologies. We're gonna have to work with technologies that are more sustainable. We have to work with technologies that are not gonna be so damaging to the environment, but we have an entire way of life Anchored in using oil? Like, what are our airplanes going to run on? Right? What I mean, our cars, we have electric choices for cars, but do we have, we don't have solar powered or electric powered airplanes yet? I was thinking about this yesterday as I live quite a distance from NAS Whidbey Island, um, but I hear every day the jets, right? The rumble in the sky from the jets that are flying over. And I'm thinking to myself, how much fuel do those planes waste? doing touch and goes, doing flights that are going nowhere for no purpose. So yet we we have a military that is here to protect us. And those planes use fuel and that fuel comes from oil. So we, we still have this part of our world that is very anchored in the more traditional uses of energy, yet we find ourselves at this crossroad where we have to go into the future. So what we're having to do is find a way to make a plan to go into the future because Saturn values planning. We can't just have someone come in and say, okay, as of today, we're no longer using uh, gasoline, right? We're only going to use uh, electricity because first of all, not everybody is able to go out and buy a new car at this point that uses electricity. So we have to find a plan though that's going to transit us transition us over. And that's just one example of what where we're having to take the past and and change it and adapt it so that we can move into the future. It's happening in our governments, it's happening in our healthcare, it's happening in our education, it's happening in our infrastructures. Um, I know in this country, we have this infrastructure plan that's coming up for debate and uh, we're gonna have to find a way, right? The infrastructure hasn't been really worked on for 50 years. So we're gonna have to find a way. And that's the struggle. So I hope that answers your question. Um, But in your personal life, there's also that possibility, although it wouldn't be happening in maybe such a flashy or obvious way, there are parts of you that may be caught up in the past, but you're having to move out toward the future. But how do I do that? You know, I can't just like jump over there. I'm going to have to have a plan and I'm going to have to work the plan. And I'm going to have to take those steps that as they appear in my life to move me into that future. So. Hopefully that helps. Um, Now, quickly, because it's already getting close to nine o'clock, I wanted to share one more thing on my screen because tomorrow is also the beginning of a new human design week. And let's hope this is the correct one because I was messing around with these this morning. Here we go. It is week two. Um, We are moving in starting tomorrow, May 9th. So Sunday, forgive me, Sunday, not Saturday. So from May 9th to the 14th, we're going to have the sun at the gate twenty-three which sits on the throat center right here, and the earth at the gate 43, which sits at the Ajna just above the throat center. This this is forming an entire channel that will be defined for us for those five day periods of time. And that is a channel where we have the potential to express innovation and unique solutions to the ongoing problems for us, both in the uh, culture, but also for us as individuals. With the sun at gate 23, in quantum human design, it is called the gate of transmission. In traditional human design, it is called the gate of assimilation. This is a gate where new ideas take hold when we are sharing what we know in the right timing. So the 43, where the earth is, is where the insight comes in, right? This is where the particular genius that we all have as individuals comes into play, where we have these ideas And these innovative thoughts, these breakthrough moments that we want to share with the world. But we are meant to share those gifts, those uh, insights, those genius moments in the right timing. And it's also somewhat called the gate of not listening. And that is also going to take us into connection with Saturn at the gate of the listener, So we have to learn to listen as well as to be able to know when the right timing is for us to share our brilliance. In other words, we're waiting pretty much for the invitation, right? To be able to speak. Um, Imagine, you know, a Da Vinci who was absolutely brilliant sharing his thoughts of airplanes or helicopters. And he had plenty of drawings like that in the wrong timing, right? For him. It was about being branded a heretic and likely losing his life or at least his liberty. So for us, it may be not be that drastic, but sharing your insights in the wrong timing can fall on deaf ears. And when it falls on deaf ears, you feel undervalued or um, not loved or not heard. And then later what often happens is someone else brings up that same idea that you had um, and everybody listens Everybody hears it and you're like, but wait, I shared that just three weeks ago, Uh, but it was in the wrong timing. So we're learning about sharing our genius in the right timing, but also honing our listening skills. In Gene Keys, the gate 43 insight is in the shadow deafness where we're just not hearing. And the gift is insight and the city is epiphany. The sun at gate 23 is the shadow of complexity and the gift is simplicity. Gate 23, the sun, has a really good talent at breaking things down, complex things down into bite-sized chewable pieces for us, and distilling what is the essence or the quintessence of something, right, a thought, an idea, etc., So we have a really good week coming up for us. This is often called the Freak to Genius Channel in human design, sort of just in a fun, playful way to say that this is a time where these unique ideas can find their traction, find their feet when they're delivered in the right timing with the right people um, and genius occurs, right? So there's that. Uh, okay, that is it for me this morning. I'm going to take a quick look over here, make sure I didn't miss other comments. Um, Tom says, thanks, Janet, more of the out with the old and in with the new. Yes, but, but let's qualify that a bit. We don't want to just dump the whole past, right? We've learned valuable lessons. <laughs> we, we want to take what we've learned. We want to take the highest and best and we want to move it into the future and marry it to the now, right? So that we have the best of the best, the the genius ideas that are taking what we know, right? We don't wanna just not travel by airplane because we run out of fuel or fuel becomes too costly. So let's find the genius idea, the innovative idea to fly. And I know there are um, some um, people out there working on solar planes. And I think that's kind of fascinating, right? airplane's right there next to the sun pretty much as it's traveling. So uh, is there a way to be able to do that? So stay tuned. There may be some really brilliant ideas. You may be generating some of them for your own personal life, but make sure you wait to share them in the right time, right place, right people. And that usually means with an invitation to share that. All right, that is it for me today. I will see you on Monday. Have a wonderful weekend. And for all of you mothers out there, have a happy Mother's Day and enjoy the day, enjoy the honoring of your um, being a mother. And even if you're not a mother to your own biological children, if you're a mother to fur babies, like Debbie was saying, still you're a mother, right? And that might mean you're still, you may be a man and you're acting as a mother to children um, because in today's family, the dynamics are completely different. So there you have that. All right, everybody take care. Have a wonderful week.